This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. You're listening to Bookmark with me, Umar Pagan Ampike Pagan. Joining me today, one of my favorites, author and poet Bernice Chorley, who's got a brand new book out called Once We Were There. My name is Bernice Chorley, and I'm the author of Once We Were There. All right, Bernice, thank you so much for coming back on Bookmark, and this time with your very first novel. Uh-huh. Could you, <laughs> and is it possible? I mean, I've read it. I've read multiple drafts of it, actually. I have trouble summing it up. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've practiced this for interviews. Can you, can you sum up the novel and tell people what it's about? It's a racy, sexy, political novel about Malaysia. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's called it's called Once We Were There. Yes. And it's 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 really one of the best Malaysian works I've read in a very very long time. I'm not just saying that because you're here. Wow. Um and I've seen you mm-hmm. uh, go through that process as well. You gave me one of your very early drafts to mm-hmm. read and I've seen how you've worked at it and tweaked it and improved it. And for me the one thing that actually came across from all of those drafts is that this is very much a love letter to Kuala Lumpur. Yes. It's a love letter to a country that I love, to a city that I love, to a people that I love. And I think one of the things I enjoy about it most was the fact that it was rooted in this place. Mm-hmm. And it's a complaint that I've had about many a Malaysian novel in that our writers don't necessarily focus on place. Right. And that was something that you had with growing up with ghosts. And I believe I've told you that mm-hmm. same thing about how that sense of place was so strong. Right. Well, I, I think KL is one of the most fascinating cities on the planet. It really is. And in 1998, the city erupted. I was on the streets. I was tear gassed. I was at Sri Pradana when Anwar was, was sacked. So I was very much a part of the whole reformasi process. And, and it made me, it fired me up. It, it, it was very transformative in the sense that finally we felt that there was a reason to fight, that we had to fight. We had to fight to save our country. We had to fight for Anwar. And we took to the streets. And that time, in, you know, it, things... You know, it, it was like, the yeah, the, the Twin Towers were, were ready. Um, the Commonwealth Games were, were afoot. The Queen was the Queen coming. The Queen was coming. KLI had just been completed. So it was like we had all these, 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 these things that, that were there. It's like, oh, we've arrived. We are now our first world country. And then this happens. So the, and the whole country is turned upside down. So I really wanted to record that what happened, you know, that, that it was such a tumultuous, important time. And Kale was witness to it. So I really wanted to make Kale a character in the novel as well. And, and that, I think that's what I've, I've tried to do. Yeah, it, no, it is very much a character in the novel. And it is a character in the novel like many would not have seen or experienced. In right. that they would have experienced it in real life. Mm-hmm. But they've always been too afraid to either talk about it or write about it in that way. I mean, <laughs> sex, drugs and rock and roll. Yeah. It's a Kale that we've all experienced. Right. And, you know, it's still there. Yeah. But it's not something you necessarily see people writing newspaper articles about, no, let alone fiction. No. You know, it's one of the most fascinating cities on the, on the planet. And I think also, you know, on the, on the, on the surface, you have the, the skyscrapers and, the, and everything's glossy and, and it's, it's sort of shiny, shiny, shiny. But underneath it, you have this sort of the underbelly of Kayla. And then that's, it's seedy, it's dirty, it's corrupt, um, it's raw. And it's basically also about people. This, this novel is about people who are trying to survive in KL. Some do, some don't. So in a sense, if you, if you replicate KL with another, you know, cosmopolitan city, something like Jakarta, something like Bangkok, I mean, you have 
stuff on the surface, but it's the underbelly of what's happening um, that, that fascinates me. And in 1998, the city to me became very, very real. It became uh, mother, father, surrogate. You know, it welcomed us. The streets were filled with blood. People were be- getting beaten up. You know, it was, there was, there was uh, you know, the force of the water cannons, tear gas. Um, so it became this sort of welcoming place. And at the same time, the city was being brutalized. You know, so it, it, it's, it's trying to sort of navigate the, the textural landscape that is Kuala Lumpur. And that textural landscape is something that is so important in developing a story of the city. You know, right. when you talk about Bangkok and Jakarta, right. the, the dirt and the grime and the filth and the underground yes. of those cities lend itself to so much great fiction. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And also it lends itself in telling the story and history of that city. For right. so long, mm-hmm. the story of Kuala Lumpur has been so sanitized. Absolutely. And, and I really, and because there's been nothing written about that time in, in, in English literature anyway, or, or you know, in, in the English language. I believe there have been some novels that have tried to, to talk about reformacy, but it's a very prickly, sticky, uncomfortable subject. Even now, 20 years later, you know, the name Anwar Ibrahim is... A problem. And why is that? It it's shouldn't still, be a problem. It's still spoken of in hushed tones. Exactly. But, you know, for me and for many people of my generation, we, we were transformed by that time. It was an important time. And we were also in the clubs and we were also on the streets. You know, so this, this, this sort of uh, blend of idealism and anger and everyone was high. And it was just a very, very special, very pivotal time for Malaysia. Well, 1998 was really an interesting political awakening because of it was course. one of those rare moments that divided families. Yeah. Especially, you know, when speaking of politics, yes. right? I mean, there, marriages course, broke up. Yeah, you know, you, you know, relationships had, broke up. Yeah, you've had opposition parties in Malaysia, but this this one divided families at its core because you were all from the same side once, yeah. and then suddenly you're split apart. Right. And it was a very different fight from, say, Mahathir Musa or uh, all the previous, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. you know, deputy prime ministers that he has sacked right. or, 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 or kicked out <laughs> somehow, right? Yeah. And I think that political awakening was different because it also affected young people. In Absolutely. A big way. I, you know, the danger was because, and, you know, my main protagonist is a journalist. So the danger was too much editorializing. And I didn't really want to do that. Um, You know, if you don't know, if if a foreign reader doesn't know what the Reformasi was, then sorry, dude, just Google it and find out what it was. So I didn't really want it to be a history lesson. I really wanted it to sort of be very pointed, very, very specific. You know, yes, there are hints of what Mahathir was and who Anwar was and, and, you know, the kind of the, the conflicts that they faced. But I just really wanted it to be about the present. And to, to engage people in such a way that you get a sense of, of the issues that, that we, were, we were dealing with. You know, it was, it was a sense of, it was complete anarchy. I mean, I don't use the word anarchy in, in the novel. But you get a sense that, you know, things were completely turned upside down. And people were very angry. And I've tried to capture that anger, that sense of resistance in the characters. Um, Del is, she's a, if I may talk about, uh, about the character of Del. So Del is raceless. She's named after the flame of the forest. So Delanix Regea is the Latin name for the flame of the forest. And she's a very flawed character. She's lost. She's not a strong female character in any sense of the word at all. Because I think, you know, in this kind of space, in that time, you know, everyone was very confused and they were all trying to find themselves in some way. So it looks at you know, these very, very specific, specific characters were journeying through the terrain that is KL of that time, all trying to figure out how to live, how to survive, how to love, how to not go crazy. And of course, you know, she suffers. There are a lot of things that, that happen in her life, which make her um, not necessarily a victim, 
um, but a character who has to try and find herself in, in very, very difficult situations. The timing of the release of Once We Were There is very interesting because right now yes. we're at this stage in our politics where Anwar has become less relevant to mm -hmm. the current political situation. And yet you have an entire generation of politically active youth right. who either weren't born in yeah. 97, 98, yeah. or were far too young to remember, to remember. the mm -hmm. impact of mm -hmm. that era. And I think if they read this book, mm -hmm. I think it's going to be an interesting insight as to what your and my generation went through at yeah. that time. Because it was very shocking for us. Because we had lived through Absolutely. close to three decades of relative... Uh, peace and tranquility is the wrong word, yes. but I guess political indifference. Yes, I think it's going to. I think it's going to inform them in a very, very uh, real way. You know, um, a lot of the the young sort of movers and shakers now, and in their twenties, were were basically you know still in diapers when this happened. Um, and also to not just look at Anwar, but, but who Mahathir was. And now that he's coming back and he's going to be the leader of the opposition, it's just... On the other side. On the other side. It's just, you know, who could have ever imagined this, this happening? Um, so Mahathir was, was someone who gave us reason to fight. Anwar was our hero. So you had an anti-hero and you had a hero. You had a you know, villain and, a, and a someone who was, who was a, like a god in a way. Um, but it, the, the tragedy of, of what happened was also in the media. I mean, the media demonized Anwar because, of course, you know, the, the, all media was Oh, this was, was free, mouth, Facebook, Internet, yeah, of course, Twitter. Of course, um, mouthpieces for, for the government. Um, so it was a very, you know, and it gave birth to magazines, online portals like Malaysia Kini. You know, Saksi was, was actually formed as well, and I use Saksi as well in the, in the book. Um, it radicalized us in, in such a way which needed to be written about. Do you know what I mean? It, it just had to be written about because it, it, it affected us on such a deep level and we became so finely tuned into what the, the government was trying to do that it just kind of gave us this kind of armor. You, you, you kind of immediately put on this armor that, you know, that desensitized you to all the bullshit that was, that was being fed to you. Chapter 1 standing in the eyes of the world. Kuala Lumpur. Kala Lumpur, or Kala Lumpur, to the white man, the Matsalis. City of sinners and sex, Sodom and Gomorrah. It was 1998, and the city was the party central of Asia, of the world. Drugs had opened up the minds of this one-time placid society and bade in a new revolution, in a time when people hungered for freedom from authoritarian politicians, from the police, from their mindless jobs, from themselves. Ecstasy had hit the town in a way that could only be described as monumental. There were Feng Tao clubs in Bukit Bintang, Chiras and Jinjiang that catered to the Chinese riffraff, the Abings and Aliens who felt ill at ease in the posh apati bars like Museum and the Backroom Club. There were clubs for Indian gangsters in Sentol and Selayang. There were dodgy dangdut clubs on Jalan Ipoh and Brickfields where the girls would dance with you, get high with you and then go down on you. There were underground clubs that opened up after the other ones closed, then stayed open till people had come down from their highs. Dealers were raking it in. MDMA was on everyone's lips and tongues. There was and everywhere. Pink, brown, yellow, black. Everybody was high. DJs flew in from all over the world to play to hundreds, no, thousands of people who swallowed pink, blue, white pills. Everybody wanted E. Nobody drank alcohol. 
Water was the salve for the days and nights on sweaty dance floors. Ecstasy was prayer. Ecstasy was the new god. The great Asian financial crisis was crawling out. Billions were lost, millions gained. The ringgit had been pegged at 3.8 against the U.S. dollar. It saved us. Our ASEAN neighbors didn't fare so well. The Patronas Twin Towers were finally complete. The towering phallic monstrosities had transformed the city. And there were stories that bled upon stories for fodder. It was the topic of conversation at every dinner table, every mamak stall, every kopitiam between Bangsa and Chiras. How ugly it looked. How sterile. How unkeal. How western. Ayo, so sci-fi. Like Gotham City. So ugly lah. Chilaka betul. Chilaka. Cursed. Cursed to never be built. Before the towers, the site was the turf club, built by the British because they knew the land was unsafe for any structure taller than a coconut tree. Underneath the turf was a network of limestone caves. To build the world's tallest twin structures above hollow caves was an act of folly, of utter stupidity. It was a disaster in the making. Mahathir's twin pricks, that's what they were. A sign that Malaysia had come into its own, that we had arrived, that our quest to have the world's tallest flagpole, its longest beef murtabak, and the biggest mall in Asia had succeeded, and that Malaysians had something, finally something, to be proud of. These towers, designed by a New Yorker of Argentinian descent and built by rival Japanese and Korean engineering companies who had to pump millions upon millions of tons of concrete into miles of limestone caves, had validated our feeling that Malaysia had arrived. Never mind that it was built by thousands of Bangladeshi and Indonesian workers slaving away on meager wages, some of whom had been crushed to death in hushed-up accidents, that they died senselessly like frogs, matikata, for another notch in our country's race to become a first world nation by looking like a first world nation. The towers loomed over KL, a new symbol for the city, like the Sears Tower, like the Empire State Building. We had come to be defined by two 88-story shards of concrete, aluminium, glass and steel. Two towering octagons inspired by sacred Islamic geometry. From distant suburbs to the Golden Triangle, the Twin Towers rose above everything else, flanked by the KL Tower, now dwarfed and comical with its pink shaft. This was engineering at its best. This was the strongest steel in the world, capable of withstanding tremors because its steel beams could bend under pressure. It was haunted like every other building in KL. The ghosts of the fallen would never be venerated here. Instead, people would flock to Gucci, Bali, Prada, British India, Chanel, Dior and Asiana to proselytize the gods of haute couture. The newly built Bukit Jalil sports complex was sprawled out and ready for the Commonwealth Games. Malaysians were gearing up for the world stage. Our time had come to show the world that we were capable, that Malaysia bole, yes we can, that we had arrived. In September, everything changed. On the 2nd of September, Malaysia's Deputy Prime Minister, Anwar Ibrahim, was sacked by Mahathir Mohamad, the dictatorial, authoritarian Prime Minister who had ruled for 17 years. On the 11th of September, the Commonwealth Games opened with no expense spared, fireworks, pomp and circumstance. Ella, the pint-sized Malaysian songstress, performed the theme song of the Games, Standing in the eyes of the world, with smoldering black eyeliner and poor diction. I hope you enjoy to screaming multitudes. 
On the 20th of September, Anwar Ibrahim was arrested. On the 29th of September, he appeared in court with a black eye. Malaysia, the beloved country of my birth, would never be the same again. I have always felt that these kind of novels that are rooted in moments of history are incredibly important. We don't have enough of them in no. Malaysian letters at all. Well, because it's it's difficult and it's prickly and it's, well, it's risky. hard to get published, right? Yes, absolutely. And <laughs> and, and no, but, but 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 you know, it's so important because I think these are the best ways to explain what happens to get into the meat of a specific time, whether it was three decades ago yes. or whether it was yes. right now. I mean, you know, I, I've been reading some some of the novels that have been inspired by mm-hmm. the Black Lives Matter movement, mm-hmm. and there's some great young adult fiction yep. that's come out, and it's such a it's such a wonderful way to get into the mind of people. Absolutely, and that what the, that's what the novel is. The novel is about the time that you live in. It really is. It's not necessarily political, but as Paul Auster says, the novel is democratic. And in the novel, you can address all these issues that address that, that, that humanity of the time are dealing with. That's why you have characters who are flawed, characters who are complex, because it gives you, the, the author, the way to address these problems. You know, I'm not writing about, you know, my female characters. She's not a superwoman. She, she doesn't know how to save the world. She's barely trying to, you know, to save herself. So it's, it's about the complexity of characters who, who try to, to just live and try to, to stay alive and to not go insane, you know? And, and it becomes an important historical document as well, more so in a country where history is so crafted by the powers that be. Absolutely. Everything from Absolutely. everything from news reporting of the history era, books, you know, you with, know. With, the, with the exception of Malaysia Kini and Saksi, who yeah. were two lone and voices. And Sabri Zain's Reformasi Diary, which was, uh, you know... Still lone voices in the wilderness, yeah. right? Yeah. If you look at any official record, mm-hmm. it, is, it is skewed and incredibly one-sided. Yeah. And so that's where I think fiction comes in. Yes. This may be a big ask, Bernice, and, and I'm sure you're just worried about getting the book out there right now. But um, <laughs> I'm hoping, for me, I'm hoping that this is the kind of novel that if people read, they get inspired to tell more of these stories. Yes, absolutely. And that's what we want. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, not just to tell stories from an imagined place. I mean, I'm rooted in this country. I have chosen to live here and to write about a Malaysia that is very real, that is very visceral to me. Um, I don't think I would have been able to write this from a place... No, but, but, but you know what that is, right? For so long, we've practiced self-censorship that yeah. we think when we escape to an imagined place, yes. it's a safe template in mm-hmm. which to, you know, use metaphor to tell that story of Malaysia. Yeah. But yeah. somehow I think there are times when that does it some disservice. Yes, I think so. But I, you know, I, I've made very, very uh, discerning choices about how to approach this. Um, you know, of, of course, there are multiple ways of, of approaching the story. But the fact of the matter is, is it is political fact. It's historical fact. My characters are fictitious. Um, and the city is very real. So there are elements that are real, but it's just how they sort of merge and intermingle and, and sort of, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a conspiracy of, of sorts. And and you know, coming from being from coming from poetry to the novel is just a huge. It's it's the worlds apart. I mean, I, I, there there are times when I oh, thought because, I would, because language I would economy never, for yes, for starters. I would never ever get this done. I mean, it's the hardest thing. 
you know, apart from giving birth. You've been working、uh, on this for six four years. years. Oh, six years. Six years.、Oh. Six very long years. I threw out, I think, twenty-five thousand words. Wrote another twenty-five thousand words. The novel is now at ninety-eight thousand words. So it's it was a grueling, tedious, heart-wrenchingly, profoundly difficult process. Yeah, but it, you know what? <laughs> it, you know what? It's paid off. It's finally out. It reads brilliantly. Oh, thank you.、Um, I, I, you know, yeah. Well, you know, I hope you're just not saying that. I mean, I really. Hope I'm not. I'm not. I've been with you throughout the process. I think. <laughs> I think it's an important book that people, and not not just for Malaysians to read, but for、yes. other writers to read. Right.、Uh, and especially other Malaysian writers. Yeah.、Um, and yeah. I think you know, like Malaysian filmmakers, Malaysian poets, Malaysian writers. Um, I think there are there are certain fundamentals that we need to revisit off a lot of the time before、mm-hmm. we can actually push、mm-hmm. ourselves to the next level, yeah. right? Yeah. And、uh, and once we were there, kind of gives us that it's a good foundation. Okay. I think. Yeah. I think it's an important foundation, especially when speaking about that particular moment、mm-hmm. in history. And also because I wanted to read something like this. Do you know what I mean? And in, in a, a little bit selfish in that, in that sense, it's like there's nothing about reformasi out there. There was nothing about Kaya at the time. There was nothing about the drug scene. There was nothing about the politics, you know, the craziness, the sort of Sodom. It was Sodom and Gomorrah. It really was. So I kind of like, I told myself years ago that、ah, one day I'm going to write something like this, you know, and then racy, sexy. Okay, okay. So I think that's important、novel. to point out, right? <laughs> you know, we've been talking about the politics just because, you know, I, I particularly feel very strongly about the politics in the book and the story it's trying to tell. But this is this is by no means a work of history or of politics. It's、mm-hmm. actually it's it's a riveting cinematic kind of romp. Right、uh, through the streets、yes. of KL. So yes, I mean the, royal. I mean, my you know the, the back blurb says royal, while、well, the city royals around them. <laughs> Correct. So all of this takes place within this setting, if you will, or this,、yeah. or this, or this, or this point in time, right?、Mm-hmm. Uh, what would you classify the novel? I mean, have you thought about that? Because I had trouble as well. I didn't want to call it historical fiction. It has thrillerish moments. Yeah, yeah. There's a bit of crime in there as well. Exactly. Yeah, I don't know. I just, I just literary fiction. Literary、la. fiction. We'll、yeah. just keep it simple. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah.、Um, uh, when is it out, and how much does it cost? It will be in bookstores in Malaysia by the middle of July. Fantastic. And it costs forty nine ninety. Right, and it's got a it's got an absolutely brilliant cover as well, which is kind of inspired by the Penguin Ink series, like、yep. this tattoo look、mm-hmm. uh, with a with a sign that says "For Mature Readers Only." <laughs>、um, actually, Bernice was on an episode of a bit of Culture with myself and Ezra. You can download that podcast where we have a, a deep and meaningful conversation seen,、yeah. about what it means to be mature. <laughs> Uh, but yes, yes, this is definitely not a book for kids.、Mm-hmm. Nope. Um, it is for mature readers, but I think it is for all Malaysians. Yes, absolutely. It, it doesn't matter on your political leanings.、Mm-hmm. Yeah. So,、uh, Bernice, all the best. Thank you so much、Thank、for joining me. Thank you very、me. much. Thank you. And I strongly urge all of you to go out and buy. Once we were there, and don't just buy it. Actually, sit down and read it.、Uh, you're listening to Bookmark BFM eighty nine point nine. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm. my or find us on iTunes. BFM eighty nine point nine, the Business Station.